On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we're going to be discussing the cryptically spiritual moonbeam levels. And joining me on this episode is Christy Norman from the Mountains in the Sea podcast. Hi, it's great to be back. So this is a song, originally we got moonbeam levels on the forever Prince compilation that was like the first compilation we received after his passing in late 2016. Well, his passing was in spring of 2016. We received forever in like late 2016 maybe november i forget exactly what month yeah that sounds right and this this was sold as or this collection was sold as you know uh, a greatest hits but with also this this bonus vault track mm-hmm. and Moonbeam levels is the song that we got it's a song that was recorded back in july of 1982 uh, the day before lady cab driver for those of you who like digging into the you know the Dwayne tudal books and figuring out when did prince write this and record this and when did he write and record that so this was the day after Lady Cab Driver, recorded in Sunset Sound in uh, Hollywood. And I guess with this one, you know, it was often cited as a potential 1999 album track. Ultimately, of course, it didn't get added to the 1999 um, album proper. We got it released again from the Super Deluxe Edition of 1999 in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. So, Christy, when did you first hear it? Did you first hear it on Forever? Did you hear a bootlegged version um, prior to that? I think I probably heard it probably on Forever. I know my husband, uh, Josh, who's my co-host on The Mountains and the Sea, had uh, had heard many, many bootlegs of it. So, he was very well familiar with it. I didn't hear it till Forever. Um, but man it's just a joy it was worth buying forever for mm-hmm. this song if that was the only thing that came on it it would have been worth it yeah this is this is a great song and it certainly is one of those one of those vault songs that was well discussed um well known throughout the prince community prince bootleg community for sure for a very long time and it's kind of almost has like this mythical uh attributes around it until it was released like ooh, moonbeam levels i mean this the name of the song itself is just very like what does that mean yeah it's cryptic very cryptic you know uh-huh. and, and it's still even after we got the song there's there's some cryptic uh aspects to the lyrics that we'll be kind of talking about on this episode for sure trying to parse through it and figure out like, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? And maybe mean something else to, uh, you know, somebody else listening to the show for sure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned how well known it was because back in 2013, there was a charity benefit at Carnegie hall called the music of Prince and Elvis Costello played the song at that benefit. So it wasn't just, well known it was well enough known that elvis costello felt comfortable enough to go ahead and do a cover of it in public exactly it's not like he was doing a cover of no call you or (laughs) right or vagina for that matter it was (laughs) moonbeam levels this was a song that had enough had enough name recognition Mm -hmm. and popularity uh in spite of its unreleased status so that's a pretty cool thing i guess um, and it would be, you know, being the first, very first vault song that we got after Prince's passing. So it has, you know, it's it's up there um, for that reason as well, in terms of its um, notoriety. Mm-hmm. So this song had been, I guess, kicked around for years, obviously being recorded in July of 82 prior to the release of 1999. You have the uh, very clear and obvious connections to that album. Some say that it was um, potentially going to be slotted and maybe where free was ultimately added as Mm -hmm. they both kind of are ballads. And even though they say very different things, they also have just kind of a general feeling about them where they they speak to more internal struggles and and maybe some of the, the world around you and how do you relate to the world around you internally? Um, had you heard that, Christy, that maybe yes. this was potentially yes. slotted into a free ended up going? Uh-huh, right. Um, and uh, when we back when we covered Super Deluxe, uh, Josh said he would have actually preferred Moonbeam Levels to free in that slot. I don't 
really have an opinion either way. I like both of them. Um, but I also read that there was an um, undated synopsis found after Prince's passing of Purple Rain. And this was one of the songs listed for that. So he had lots of ideas where it might be used. Maybe 1999, maybe Purple Rain. I read it was for the 80s versions of Crystal Ball and Raven to the Joy Fantastic. Those projects both disappeared. This was a song that was considered for both of those albums. So it wasn't a song that he didn't think deserved a home. It just never quite found one. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely songs in his catalog that he felt were strong enough or had enough imp- had the enough potential impact to be worthy of carrying with him year after year and with each of his prospective projects. But yeah, just again, never found a home. Crystal Ball is another one of those songs, never found a home. Um, and even though they never found a home, and there's certainly other ones that I'm I know I'm forgetting. They still, I think with each passing year that being discussed and rumored to be on a potential album, then never making the album just kind of added to its uh, its infamy, I suppose. Yeah, the mystique. Exactly, yes. The mystique mm-hmm. around this song that Prince must have really enjoyed and liked or thought <laughs> it was valuable enough again to, mm-hmm. to uh, provide and, you know, to give to the rest of us. Uh, let's see. What else do I want to talk about about Moonbeam Levels? I guess another thing about this song that I, you know, it's not really that relevant, but it's kind of an interesting thing is that this was often misnamed as a better place to die mm-hmm. uh, when it was being bootlegged. Because again, we don't have, we didn't have any kind of official lyric sheet to go with it. We had no official um, recording information. So like. He says a better place to die a lot in the song. So, hey, maybe that's the name of the song. You know, people are just grasping. Yeah, it would make sense. Well, because what is a moonbeam level? It's not like you hear that and it's such a common phrase that you automatically know what it is. It's, yeah, yeah, it's unusual. Yeah, and the song itself has kind of like this spacey, futuristic feel to it. Mm -hmm. Very 1999 era. Exactly. That's exactly where I was going, because there was certain songs on that album that had a very similar sound to it. The way he would use his, uh, you know, the samples and his keyboard and then the LM1 drum machine. It's all right there. Something in the Water, Automatic are two songs that spring to mind when I think of like that futuristic sound that he was toying with. And even like the exhaust sound that comes out early in this song. Or that you hear early in the song, there's that yeah. similar sound in automatic as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so this song's lyrics, you know, I think what I want to do on this one is kind of talk a little bit about the general feeling of the song, how we interpret the song, because this song, as we used the word cryptic a few times already, <laughs> and a bit, but it's fitting because I've heard I've heard the song a lot now. But the few times I'd heard it prior to it being released, I didn't spend a lot of time with the lyrics. I was just mostly listening right. to it just as a, you know, as a song with music. And I understood the chorus. I knew what he was saying, but what was he really saying? And that's where I wasn't quite as, it wasn't quite as clear to me. It didn't come to me immediately like some songs do. Like, oh, this song is about that. Right. Uh, this is a song that I had to like digest a bit you know like a like a meal i had to digest it for a while before i could finally you know figure out what it meant to me mm-hmm. or what i think potentially the meanings some logical meanings of the song are because again moonbeam levels is not a phrase that's common in our vernacular it is not a phrase that you hear people say it wasn't a phrase in the 80s either so it's not no. just like oh it must have been an 80s thing Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. nope. It was, was a Prince thing. It was a not prince an eighties thing. thing. It's very much a Prince thing. Okay, so the first 
verse of the song, I get the feeling that it's he's kind of talking a little bit about, you know, uh, he's trying to tell a story a little bit, I suppose. And, I agree. and he's trying to present the listener a bit of a um, like a setup, uh, like if it was a movie or a book, this would be the opening paragraph, like trying to set the scene. And, and it's very poetic. Yesterday I tried to write a novel, but I didn't know where to begin. So I laid down in the grass trying to feel the world turn. Oh. That's Those are very poetic lines, and they, they inv- evoke a lot of imagery. I get imagery of somebody who is, well, when he says laid down in the grass, I mean, you have a very clear image of somebody laying down, you know, their back maybe on the ground, looking up at the sky. And let's assume it's either a warm day or a warm night. doesn't really say for sure if it's day or night. I always pictured it as day. I don't know why. Yeah. But because you know, he said I tried to write, oh, well, yesterday. I don't know. I just always pictured it as like a beautiful, warm, yeah. sunny sort of day that would be pleasant in Minneapolis. Yeah. I mean, that's where my <laughs> mind goes, too, because most of the time when people are laying down in the grass, it's probably it in the daytime just because that's the warmest part of the day and you're outside and you're kind of exposed but you know if it's night in summer you could still be laying down and be okay it's Mm -hmm. just a matter of you know where you're coming from with those lines um and then the second half of that verse boy loses girl in a rainstorm nuclear world war three and all that's left is pain and sorrow as far as he's concerned so the the two halves of that that verse are are very different like they give very different feelings first half you know kind of warm uh you get a sense of somebody who's a little bit at peace um but then the second half it just, he just pulls the rug out up from underneath us with this these lines about losing a girl and war, world war three and pain and sorrow mm. what do you what do you do you, i mean do you agree with that or do you think that it's just setting it up for that that kind of big ending yeah i don't know that i would call him at peace laying in the grass because uh, when you're, he's, he's trying to feel the world turn. Like everything seems real static, but maybe not in a, a good way. Like he's trying to find literally grounding himself, literally laying on the ground and trying to have a connection with nature and creativity and, you know, whatever God or whatever it might be, a muse of some kind. So that if he's, he's trying to do something, he, he doesn't know where to start. He's, it almost feels lost, but not in such an anxious way to me. Mm -hmm. And that, that he would go to this pain and sorrow place. Wasn't, didn't feel like a big disparity to me. Wasn't a big surprise. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess with the um, the line where I didn't know where to begin, it does kind of give off the the impression that he's struggling, struggling with something. Like he's grasping <laughs> with some deeper thought that he's really kind of struggling with. I, I can't like if he's trying to write a novel, and I also think maybe <laughs> write a novel could be like anything. Like he's writing a poem or writing in his diary or just something. A novel in a day. You know, yeah, I tried right. to write one yesterday. <laughs> a novel's usually like a book and takes more than a day. Years for some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, but Prince was very prolific. So I guess he mm-hmm. was probably thinking, I could probably write a novel in a day, right? <laughs> if I can write an album in a day, practically, I could write a novel in a day. Sure. It wouldn't be that, wouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah, so that's assuming that we're taking the word novel at face value and literally. I guess, you know, you can you can take it to mean a lot of different things, too, I suppose. I kind of take it to mean that the overarching story is fictional. Even if it speaks to us, it's not a firsthand account of something that really happened because novels are by nature fictional. Yeah, that's so, actually a, a good, a good, um, an astute observation because... Unlike a lot of Prince songs that seem very first person or mm-hmm. they're coming from personal experience. And sometimes in this show, I'll say like Prince says this and Prince says that. Well, yes, he says it, but is it coming from Prince, mm-hmm. you know, from his perspective? This one, this song, to me at least, clearly 
or seemingly comes from a third person. Like he's telling a story about somebody else that's right. removed from him. Um, so like almost like he's narrating or if he's speaking in third person, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that is certainly the kind of feeling I get. I don't get, I get less of a feeling. This is Prince talking versus mm-hmm. this is somebody. talking. This is the story he's telling us rather than this is his personal experience. Now that's not to say that some of these feelings or uh, emotions that are coming through this are not his because I think it would be difficult to say that any person couldn't feel this range of emotions. He's probably felt them at some point, but maybe not in this exact way. Obviously not because, you know, we haven't been through World War Three in Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so like most songwriters or most novelists or most screenwriters or whatever they pull a bit from personal experience or personal feelings um aspects of their life that they can then embellish a bit or maybe a thought they had for a day but they're taking it you know to the next level and 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 you know where what would happen if i was like this all the time or if i took this thought and and you know um, followed it down this path or acted on it and that's what you know the creative the creative parts of people's brains do is they they take a little aspect of of their their thought processes that most of us just kind of dismiss but then they create something out of it and mm-hmm. they expand they expand on it in a very artistic way and i think that that could be what he's doing here as well and and another reason why that i think that's probably true is because there's themes in the song that we hear throughout 1999 Mm-hmm. Nuclear World War Three, right there in the first first verse, he's talking about basically the annihilation of the human race, right? Um, or at least the impending annihilation of the human race. He certainly lost somebody. Boy loses girl in a rainstorm is, I think, is supposed to tell us that he lost somebody near and dear to him, which has left him pain and sorrow, and he's blaming this nuclear World War Three for that. Well, hello, 1999. The song itself is very much of that uh theme as well let's party in the face of world war three versus mm-hmm. this song is more boy you know this being on this earth sucks right now like yeah. <laughs> this is a crappy place to live let's go get a condo overlooking the rings of saturn <laughs> yes he definitely goes there and he's talking about a different world in a in in trying to i think leave this world whether or not people interpret that to mean suicide or they just you know it's just a a wish wish that he has like he wishes Mm -hmm. he could go find a different place to live maybe a place that isn't so screwed up uh i mean do do you have any thoughts either way christy on whether or not you take this song to be more of a a song about a guy who's maybe suicidal or just somebody who's just kind of down in the dumps and depressed about what's going on around him um, I think, I think you could definitely read it either way. Uh, I don't think he's really suicidal when we get to that close to the end where he says he doesn't really want to die, but we've mm-hmm. all had those times when you've had a physical or emotional ailment where you're just like, I just, I wish I would just die. You know, not, you're not suicidal, but you're mm-hmm. just like, boy, I just need a break from this world. You don't really mean it, but that's kind of how you feel in the moment. And that's kind of how I interpret this though, knowing that it's sort of this fictional story and it's world war three suggesting a future sort of timeline. I kind of love to think about the idea that perhaps it's, it is a time in the future where a condo overlooking the rings of Saturn is possible. You know, <laughs> it's a more, it's more fun for me to think about it that way. Whereas like he's lost this girl, he planned to spend his whole life on earth and now there's world war three and there's what is there left here? Yeah. Maybe I'll go somewhere else. Yeah. And that's interesting because again, if you're thinking of the song as taking place in some distant future, 
then some of these things that he says in the song where he he says maybe he's looking for a different world like you said nice condo overlooking the rings of saturn maybe that is not so fanciful maybe that is not such a an abstract idea maybe that's in this fictional world that prince is creating here in the song that's a potential reality like he just mm-hmm. needs to hop on you know the latest spacex uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh rocket and and take off for saturn because earth is yeah, everybody on earth is um you know basically killing each other killing themselves talks about living a plastic life maybe he wants affection instead of a plastic life Mm-hmm. Maybe at this point in the narrator's life, they're just feeling like everything on Earth is just too plastic. And that could be literally like pollution, right? <laughs> oceans filled with plastic, or it could be looked at as just uh, a standard for materialism. Everybody's fake. They just want the latest mm-hmm. and greatest. So you could look at it a couple different ways. Yes, um, I think it's all true. I think it all yeah. it, it all works. It's literal and it's not. Like every bit of this poem is both literal and not. Right. Because obviously in 1982, nobody was traveling to Saturn. Right. We still, we still not traveling to Saturn in 2023. (laughs) And as as far as I know, Saturn is an inhabitable planet. So I'm not Uh, sure that. I don't think so, but I think there's talk of like Titan or some of the moons. Saturn's not inhabitable because it's gas giant, but some of the moons, maybe. Someday. Yeah, maybe someday. If we make know. it that far. <laughs> it seems pretty far away from the sun, but maybe. <laughs> maybe. But anyway, so even in 1982, if we were really traveling to different planets, mm-hmm. uh, human beings weren't at least, there's the the idea that this person, the narrator of the song, the narrator of the story, is just expressing, you know, tired of being on Earth. And mm-hmm. what do they know? They don't know any other galaxies or any other planets. So he's going to pick out another another planet in the galaxy that he knows. Saturn could have mm-hmm. replaced that with Mars, could have replaced it with Jupiter or Uranus or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pick Saturn because Saturn, you know, is kind of it's it's the planet with the rings and everybody it's kind pretty. of has. a Yeah, it's a pretty as you have a visual connection to it because of what we were taught and how it looks in uh, you know, in school. So I get it why he picked Saturn to represent just kind of an alternate alternate place outside of you know the the planet that we're currently on. Um, so yeah, the whole aspect of the second verse where he's talking about maybe he's looking for a different world, maybe he's looking for a brand new high. Maybe he would like a nice condo. That just adds obvious credence to the theory that this is a song that is more of a story song that is written about a person that's not Prince, not the, the person singing the song. He's telling a story. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's looking for a different world. Maybe he's looking for a brand new high. Maybe he would like a nice condo overlooking the rings of Saturn. Maybe he wants a affection instead of plastic The, the line looking for a brand new high is interesting just mainly because he's been talking a little bit about high, like getting high uh-huh. uh, uh, around this time. Um, Purple sure. Music, a song that he wrote just a little bit before this, is talking about how Purple Music gets him high. He doesn't need cocaine or reefer mm-hmm. to get high. Purple Music does it for him. And then in All the Critics Love You in New York, he talks about we need a purple high. So right. he's talking to, basically that's just standing saying like, you know, instead of the chemical highs that we normally indulge in, he's thinking or saying that, you know, music is his high or music is his drug of choice. And here he's looking for a brand new high, potentially meaning could be, you know, standing for purple music or it could just be like anything else that's going to make him <laughs> euphoric. Right. Yeah. Beyond what is in front of him or what's available to him. Okay. 
one thing we haven't talked about is the chorus. So the chorus okay. is very short, short yes. and sweet. So each each of the verses, you know, he kind of ends. So he says, please send all your moonbeam levels to me. And he repeats that. And he ends it with, I'm looking for a better place to die. So I think one of the things that I wouldn't say perplexes, but it certainly is less obvious I mean, than some of his other songs. But Prince was pretty good at writing songs with less obvious titles or choruses Mm -hmm. did we did we really all understand exactly what he was referring to in the chorus of purple rain i just want to see you dancing the purple rain maybe not maybe not right away for sure i didn't as a kid Mm -hmm. did i did i know exactly what he meant by a little red corvette baby you're much too fast (laughs) i hope not in the 80s hope you didn't know you were a kid no not as an eight-year-old in 1983 (laughs) i didn't (laughs) so I guess in, in, if you think of it that way, it's not that unusual for Prince to give us a chorus that maybe has some some uh, cryptic nature to it where you are you have to think about it a little bit or you kind of wonder what is he really referring to. So moonbeam levels. Let's just at least we have to talk about what we think that it means to us. We'd be sure. doing the, the episode a disservice if we didn't. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, I think it's um, just... Yeah, go ahead. I think it's just like, um, you know, the good juju. Like, it's the good thoughts, the positive feelings. I mean, I guess technically it could be coordinates to another location, but that seems even within this whole realm a little little far-fetched. But it's more like positive thoughts and experiences is how kind of how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, that absolutely works for me, too. And I did want to throw out there that because we've been toying with this so far on this episode is that there's literal meanings and then mm-hmm. there's metaphorical meanings throughout this entire song where there's potential literal meanings like he literally wants to leave Earth, like he wants to be lifted up into the atmosphere and taken out of off of uh, the planet and and try mm-hmm. to find a life somewhere else that's that's the literal meaning of like a lot of these lines and there's the metaphorical like i just want out like this earth earth sucks mm-hmm. you know take take me away and this is where your interpretation of moonbeam levels makes sense because he's like take me away meaning like i just need something to kind of bring me out of these doldrums bring me away from the funk i'm in or from the depression that i'm in or help give me some meaning, you know, help me find some meaning in, in my life here on this planet that I'm stuck in. And maybe these moonbeam levels that he's asking, I don't know, from just the heavens or from anybody, just some sort of sign. And he doesn't really even care who gives it to him, just anything that works. But if you're going to go back to the, the potential literal you could look at moonbeam levels to almost be like, beam me up, <laughs> like mm-hmm. beam me off and like, take me away, like physically take me away and, and transport me somewhere yeah. else. Away from a world that's willing to have World War Three. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. A place where maybe people are good to one another and there's mm-hmm. more love than hate. Uh, when he says, I'm looking for a better place to die, that line is is a pretty important line in the song because, as as we'll get through it, kind of changes his stance. The narrator changes his stance on what this what he's trying to say here. Like early on in the song, I get at least like he's even if he's not suicidal, he's maybe thinking like I don't want to die here. Like mm-hmm. this this planet is going to hell, literally and figuratively, and I don't want to die here. I don't want to die like my my girlfriend that, you know, right. I, that I referred to in the first verse. Um, I would rather die somewhere beautiful, somewhere amongst other people that, you know, feel the same way I do or there's where there's love instead of hate. Like I said before, I'm looking for a better place to die. And that doesn't necessarily even mean I want to die tomorrow, but I'm going to die eventually, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody dies. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be here. I don't want it to be in this emotional state that I'm in. Yeah. Or I don't want it to be in this physical place that I'm in. So yes, 
both could be either way yeah exactly it's, we're, it's we're both like, there's, same. there's yeah. no definitive I, I this is one of the i mean i don't think that there's definitive um kind of explanations for really any of prince's music because we didn't write it but this is one of those songs where somebody else could come up with a theory and i'd be like yeah of uh-huh. course that makes that's so much exactly, sense i never thought of it exactly like that before it yeah and it means that because that's what you think it means mm-hmm. and that's all we're doing is just kind mm-hmm. of explaining what you and i think this song means because sure. prince wrote it in a way i think that you can take it so many different ways and it can mean a lot of different things to you mm-hmm. like i said it's short and sweet um and it's very memorable he says it you know it's a, it's like this big moment in the song you know like that's it has a very more traditional pop structure mm-hmm. in terms of the writing unlike a song like purple music which i recorded an episode of that on that not that long ago which is much more abstract much more avant-garde mm-hmm. this song could have I mean, we say, I say this about so many Prince songs, it almost becomes cliche. <laughs> this song could have been a hit. You know? uh-huh. I mean, it could have, though. This, it does. It has that feeling, too. It's very, it has the very um, bombastic, but in a good way, like um, pop songwriting structure and power ballad type approach and feel. Oh, So in the um, the verse where he talks about a newborn child, knows nothing of destruction, knows nothing of love and hate. What happens in between is a mystery because we don't give a damn about his fate. Do you have any thoughts about that particular verse or what it's trying to say, Christy? Um, I think it's it's sort of akin to like when he tells young people that they don't have to go fight somebody else's war. It's kind of a similar feeling, except he's saying so much instead of you don't have to go and fight their war. It's these people don't care about this baby who is innocent. These innocent people that are going to suffer from their decisions, be that war which he explicitly says World War Three. So he, there's a real lack of caring by the people who are making decisions. And I think that that's a, a kind of a theme he's visited before in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I get the very, very similar kind of ideas and thoughts from this. And I guess it's really when it in the song, it's more like the bridge. Uh, I I called it a a verse, but it's really like the bridge when I think about how it's structured. Um, But anyway, yeah, innocence of the children. I mean, we're all born innocent. I mean, he's really trying to express like children don't know the world that they've been born into. They don't know Mm -hmm. what's going on around them. And, you know, you and I, I'm sure, can attest to a lot of some really awful things that were happening when we were children in the world and we were just oblivious to it. Right. Either because we were shielded from it from our parents or it was just, you know, I didn't sit down and watch the five o'clock news <laughs> when I was seven. I wasn't that right. interested. I, I'd rather watch cartoons. Um, state of state of the state of affairs just didn't really affect me much. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> you know? I was shocked when I found out Chernobyl happened when it did because I remember nothing of it. It was like 1986 or 1987 and I didn't remember any of it like at all i always heard chernobyl like by the time i got to be a teenager and thought it had been decades ago and i'm like oh no that was in your lifetime so absolutely the kids don't know they don't understand they don't either you're shielded from it or like you said or you were just not paying attention not paying attention yeah that's a big part of it too yeah unless unless you're being uh told about it by adult adults in your life whether it's Mm -hmm. teachers or parents or grandparents or older siblings if you're not being explained what's going on like they don't set you aside and tell you what's going on a lot of that stuff is going to pass most children by Mm -hmm. and then the whole nothing of love and hate but happens in between is a mystery because we don't give a damn about his fate yeah I, i agree with you like there's these adults that then are in charge of these 
the, these children's fates and what happens in between being a child and becoming an adult is a mystery because they're they're kind of like in that in between they don't go from being a child to being an adult without maturing and growing and and being in some ways indoctrinated by the adults around them and learn and like learn behaviors and this has been proven so many times where children aren't born racist they're not born uh sexist they're not born hating other people like that's just mm-hmm. not who we are as human beings all of that is learned behavior and it's frustrating knowing that it can be unlearned or we could have a society where we loved each other more than hated each other but it's the adults that are messing it up mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's us that are completely screwing this up for our children and yeah, I mean, there's there's so many people on this earth, it's really impossible to, you know, unfortunately, it's impossible, I think, to assume that everybody in a generation that has children is going to decide collectively, we're not going to teach hate anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice, though? <laughs> <laughs> we don't give a damn about his fate, is what he's saying. Right. We, don't, we don't really care what happens to the children in between, because we're still because we're it's too late for us in many cases as adults we've already learned our behaviors and mm-hmm. not to say people can't change i i do believe people can change but it's the older you get the harder it is and we mm. all know that that's fair all right so as we get towards the end of the song we start to get the narrator starts to reflect a little bit differently and express some different thoughts mhm in the song he'll never keep diaries to learn from his mistakes so instead he'll just repeat all the good things that he's done fight for perfect love until it's perfect love he makes when he's happy then his battle will be won then he repeats the please send all your moonbeam levels to me i'm looking for a better place to die but then as the song kind of ends he repeats he don't really want to die Mm -hmm. he don't really want to die This goes back, definitely goes back and adds weight to your comment before, like this person saying, I'm looking for a better place to die. And yes, it could be interpreted as somebody kind of on the edge, um, contemplating suicide, or at least the thought is going on in their brain. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's just in the beginning stages of that. But as the song goes on, he starts to realize, I think, that there's there's still love to be given here on earth there's still things that he can do to make his world a better place and he's not quite ready to give up whether or not that means give up again his own life or give up living on earth again if it's the literal mm-hmm. meaning like i i think i'll stick around Right. I don't need I don't need to check out those condos and um, <laughs> the rings of Saturn quite yet. There's still work for me to do. Um, is that kind of what you get or do you get something different? Uh, e- yes. I mean, I would say generally um, that's I would agree with all of that. Um, I think it's interesting that he's won't keep diaries to learn from his mistakes, but he'll just repeat the good things that he's done. So he is learning from his mistakes, even if he's not writing it down. But I would say 
if you benefit from writing things down, like your to-do list or whatever, it might be beneficial to go ahead and write down even your mistakes. Because what if your mistake is just one little twist away from being something good? You can't repeat that good thing unless you've learned from your bad thing. It was just a thought. It seemed a little juvenile, I think, to say, I'm not going to learn from my mistakes. I'm just going to keep doing the right thing. Well, the right thing can be harder to identify if you don't know what your mistakes were. Yeah, yeah. That line is kind of interesting because I think there's the the thought that documenting human follies and the mistakes that we make are how we learn. Sure. How future generations are supposed to learn because the people who didn't live through it, how can they know what mistakes our generations have made in a hundred years if it's not documented to explain it? Right. And that's that's the I think that's the general thought process behind documenting awful things that have gone on in our nation and world's history. Sure. Um, whether it's, you know, the Holocaust or if it's slavery or, you know, the various wars that we've fought throughout our world and, and genocides. And having that be written history, like fact, this is what happened mm-hmm. to prevent to, the idea is to prevent that. Like we're supposed to learn from it. And that's again, that's the general consensus is that that's how we learn by documenting but he's kind of saying something maybe slightly contradictory to that Mm -hmm. like he won't keep diaries to learn from his mistakes so i guess maybe you could think of it from the standpoint that uh or just a potential way of, of thinking alternate way of thinking of that is he's not wanting to dwell on it maybe sure on dwell on his mistakes well by writing it down (laughs) yeah it's painful to dwell on helpful but painful it's certainly painful it's painful especially like if you're reading a history book and you were um you know a part of of that um that you know those people that were persecuted that were harmed Mm -hmm. or whatever it's painful to read that history i'm sure just like it would be painful for anybody who's keeping a diary because he refers to it as a diary to go back and read the pages of your diary that were talking about the loss of your girlfriend or you know, all of the the death and destruction around you, or even the thoughts that you had. Like diaries are supposed to be where you put your deepest, darkest thoughts. Mm-hmm. And and if I spent, you know, the better part of a year or a month or even a week in a really dark place, documenting all of these dark thoughts in my diary, would I want to revisit that very often, mm-hmm. especially if I'm no longer in that place? I personally wouldn't, you know, I mean, if anything, that might bring me back into a dark, dark corner. So maybe, maybe that's what he's trying to say. I don't know. Sure. That's fine. But then he goes on to say when he's happy, then his battle will be won. And I thought this is a very young prince (laughs) because I mean, as you grow older, you learn that happy isn't necessarily It's an emotion. It's not really a state of being. It is, it's a thing you feel. You can be overall happy, but it is an emotion and it comes and goes. And I think he learns this later because in White Mansion on Emancipation, he talks about, he goes through these phases in that song where he talks about when I have this, I'm going to be happy. I have this thing. Surely I'm going to be happy anytime now. And then I have all these things and more. I'm going to try and be happy. And he mm-hmm. kind of realizes he grows into that later to realize, you know, that happiness isn't, it's a, th- it's a thing that we all seem to chase, but it's never anything you can hold in your hands for very long. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I was just like, aw, sweet, young, innocent prince singing about World War III. And still there's that innocence of he is going to find a way to hold on to happiness that the rest of us haven't found yet. Yeah, he's fighting for that perfect love. Mm-hmm. And then when he finds it, he'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so. it's, it's a, again, it's a nice sentiment. It's a nice way to end the song, more or less. But it is... You know, as as somebody who, as people who have experienced loss and and love and all of the emotions that you cite, it, it's very fleeting. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can you can be overall happy and have bad days. It's fine. It's it's right. okay. Yeah. You know? it, it's when the bad days outweigh the good days is when it starts to become more difficult and and, and a challenge. Sure, and I mean you can still find joy in those days, but. It's not, it's not a state of being. It is, it is a part of being a human. Sometimes you're happy. Sometimes you are not. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just so like very sweet and very innocent to have the idea that you can grab onto it and make it a permanent state when it's really not a possible (laughs) situation. For sure. Do you think the song ends on a uplifting note, Christy? Is that kind of what you get from it? Overall, yes. It's a, a person in a dark place who can see that it might not always be a dark place. He thinks he's looking for a better place to die, maybe insinuating that sooner rather than later he'd prefer to die but he doesn't really want to so that kind of it gives you hope yeah i think he's yeah. the character feels hopeful yeah that's exactly what i get from it as well as hopefulness even if even if the the narrator understands that there's still major challenges ahead he's gonna I mean, he says it right there he's gonna fight for it so he's not willing to quite throw in the towel not quite ready to either take his own life or be whisked away to the the heavens or to outer space Mm -hmm. he's willing to fight and that's that's the hopefulness i think that prince was probably trying to convey especially saying he doesn't really want to die when he's been saying throughout the entire song looking for a better place to die Mm -hmm. to say he doesn't really want to die to me that that does you know, offer some hope for the, for the narrator that he's going to make it after all that crazy kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he's still able to see the beauty. Yeah. You know, he can understand that those children don't deserve whatever it is that might be coming to them from the powers that be. He can understand that there is happiness to be chased that even if he doesn't really want to go there, that the condos looking over the rings of Saturn are in themselves lovely. So there is beauty in this universe and he can see it. He didn't really want to go. He doesn't really want to miss out on this beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, I think, um, do you have any other final thoughts on the song or do you think we, we covered I, it all. I, I have one final thought okay. that if you're ever, if the weather is nice and you're ever feeling a little down or lost, go lay down in the grass and look at the sky. It is actually like really beautiful and calming and a kind of a thing that since I heard this song back in 2016, I have gone and done several times when I just had a day where I felt really out of sorts and it was nice enough to go lay down and look at the sky is a lovely thing to do. That's great advice. I don't think many of us do that as often as we (laughs) should or could. (laughs) I mean, we often spend a lot of time indoors and just getting outside, taking your dog for a walk or just, you know, going and spending a moment in the park and being still and quiet it's yeah. refreshing. And even when we are outdoors, a lot of times we're we're looking at our screens. 
Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just as guilty as mm-hmm. everybody else. So. I understand. Me too. Yeah. So that's that's wonderful advice. And and saying this now in January, where where I live, not so easy. But I yeah. I definitely will remember to do that in a few months. Sure. <laughs> and possible. see, and I did it probably three days ago because it's like yeah. 84 degrees here today. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Talk to me in July when it's 110. <laughs> yeah, you'll be looking. You'll be laying down in your living room, looking up at your ceiling mm-hmm. where the air condition is on. <laughs> Can I look out the window? <laughs> yeah, with air condition around me, please. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Christy. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. It was my pleasure. It was a delight to be here. Can you let everybody know what you're up to and where to find you? Sure. Uh, You can find the mountains and the sea anywhere you get your podcasts. You can find us on Facebook, the mountains and the sea, a Prince podcast, or you can join us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. So that's where you can find us every other week, generally. Sounds good. I'm sure my people who listen to my show know all about your show by now. So. Uh, So same with yours. Yeah, yeah, we got a little crossovers going on here. That's right. Appreciate it again. And this has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can find the show at PresserWine.net. And also I'm on um, Twitter, YouTube, and I'm back on Facebook and Instagram. So if you need to find my uh, profiles on either of those platforms, I will put links to them in the show notes. Click them and like the pages again because I did lose them all sucks but it is what it is starting over from scratch so <laughs> come find me and uh thanks again until next time goodbye